nothing held back. It's a complete wall-to-wall sell-off. Hi, folks. It's Wendell. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to own the furniture you've always wanted during our massive inventory reduction event going on now at Wendell's Furniture in Colchester and at the Vermont Bed Store, 4050 Williston Road, South Burlington. Get details at wendellsfurniture.com. It's no secret Mahiran Supermarket is a great place to shop. I'm Tom Mahiran. For over seven decades, Mahirons has been catering to the needs of the Mad River Valley and beyond. We have custom-cut meats, fresh produce and seafood, regular and organic grocery, locally produced foods galore, topped off by an extraordinary wine and beer department and a state liquor agency. Shop Mahirons Supermarket, Village Square Shopping Center, Waitsfield. It's time to get the story behind the story. Interviews with newsmakers, newsbreakers, and your phone calls. Radio Vermont presents The Mark Johnson Show. Thank you, Jim Connie. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. It's Friday and pouring rain out there. What a morning. Thanks for spending part of it with us. Coming up on the program in just a moment here, we're going to chat with the founder of Campaign for Vermont. Bruce Lisman is joining us here in our studios this morning. I have a couple of questions for Bruce this morning, uh, but I would welcome yours as well, too. And you can always join us on the program at 244. 1777 that's our local number in central vermont and toll free you can reach us at 877-291-8255 coming up on the uh, program on monday we will talk with local photographer peter miller let me again give you the phone numbers on the program we welcome your input at 244-1777 that's our local number and toll free you can reach us at 877-291-8255 Let's give a nice warm radio Vermont welcome this morning. Welcome back to the program. Bruce Lisman. Bruce uh, is, as I mentioned, the founder of Campaign for Vermont. He uh, grew up here in Burlington, went to the University of Vermont, had a long career down on Wall Street. And back in 2011, started the advocacy group Campaign for Vermont. They focused a lot on economic issues. We'll talk about some of those. And uh, Bruce is here this morning because he is expressed some uh, great interest in running for governor in 2016. Thanks for joining us. How are you this morning? Hey, I'm terrific. Good morning. I want to get your thoughts to begin here. We've had a pretty uh, uh, incredible last couple of weeks here in Vermont with this situation in Barrie. We had uh, four people that were killed, one of them a, a social worker. I'm wondering if you view this situation as an isolated incident, just another criminal story, or whether or not you see larger issues that come out of this. It's a good question. It's a hard one for me. I think uh, we are all uh, uh, dumbstruck at the idea that this could happen here in our, if you will, our hometown of Vermont. That uh, this possibility never was imagined by us. Uh, And we see it in papers elsewhere. And we see random acts of incredible meanness, notion of ending someone else's life, strangers sometimes and sometimes not. And, and I don't know how you think about it, Mark, but I always thought it's almost like a distant country. Uh, so this is fairly remarkable, and I don't think the, I mean, I think the trauma of it's going to ease with time, uh, no doubt, as it always does, recede from the front page. But I don't think it's going to leave uh, uh, Vermonters in their thought process. I don't mean it'll make them feel more unsafe, though it's, that's, of course, possible. But I think it'll cause us to re-examine uh, our, 
our neighbors in a different way. So I've always said, my father always said, frankly, take it from him, you know, you have a compassionate hand, uh, uh, give help to those who need it and are ready for it, and a comforting hand, those who uh, are just need to be safe. This kind of gets at that issue. So he always thought what made Vermont special, what makes us Vermont is, among other things, those two concepts that are deeply embedded and has been forever here. So now we have, a, uh, we have an agency dealing with the most sensitive of issues, uh, somebody else's child, yep. in a context that's not always easy to measure. I mean, it's not like a, if passed this test, you should keep your child. Oh, no, no. He didn't pass that test. Uh, you know, spell that again. That's not it. It's very subjective and very pressure-packed, I think. For, for people who are doing that. Uh, and on the other side, you have people who say, not my child. You can't take my child. It's partially about my child, but partially about what you and my neighbors are about to think of me. And I think it'll cause us to reconsider uh, things we do in AHS broadly and how we are able to care for those people who, you know, have important needs. I think it'll, ex in my opinion, it'll accelerate the notion of uh, integrated family uh, uh, process of actually fully understanding what's going on with a better context. I think it's going to make us think that we need more people, but also people who are enabled to do more. And, and it's part of things we've said, and we can talk about it if you want, about how government operates. There's no protecting any of us from random violence. That's, I think we just learned that in the last 10 years, more than we probably ever imagined. This did more. But I don't think we're done with these issues. And I think when we get calmer, we're going to want to re-examine about how things work here. You used the word meanness. And I'm wondering what you think the roots of, of that are, if it's something uh, you know, across the country that, that is going on, and what's the source of it? I meant meanness in a, maybe in a different way. It strikes me as uh, the ultimate of meanness, that a life uh, would be extinguished in a movie theater... Uh, by a person who has his or her own mental issues and randomly shoots a perfectly innocent person with no relationship to him. In the case of that theater or Louisiana or wherever it was, I would call that, I mean, for a parent, you would say, what, what, measure of, what measure of meanness would give me that terrible gift of my child life lost at a young age by somebody we don't know or have no contact with and I meant it in that fashion it's as a parent I would say that is fairly black the it raises issues in the last handful of years we can really wander off on these subjects up to you but on the on the whole if you will don't worry mental, I'll, I'll rein you in. oh you will yeah. on the whole mental health industry and how it's done both at a private level, but maybe more importantly at a public level. The debate we have publicly here about our mental health, uh, how we do it from, if you will, from the origin of the public sector, the government, is oftentimes echoed elsewhere. In particular states that have had to deal with people who are truly mentally unstable and prove it by killing uh, somebody that they don't know in a movie theater or on a sidewalk just to express their anger or unhappiness with the world. And I think we are going to have to re-examine in this state 
how mental health is cared for and how we protect people from those who are out there with clear issues. So you don't think this spoken hub that they put in post-Irene works? No, it doesn't work yet. It, it might. And I think you can make up uh, all kinds of press releases to talk about what it should do, but it doesn't yet do it. Uh, you got issues of capacity, issues, uh, I would say, how we fund it, what our expectations are, and what structure uh, enables it. It cuts in so many different directions. So this conversation about lives lost and the trauma of that, <clears throat> you can look at it from another vantage point. Uh, we have too many people in jail. It costs literally too much to support those people. Some high percentage of them have drug and alcohol abuse issues, likely related to how they grew up. Many of them have uh, mental health issues. Some very high percentage of them require counseling. So if you want an intervention program to work, for example, you need, it's very labor intensive. Also, you need to know how you measure results. And that's a key part of what we're going to do. Let's uh, talk about the heroin problem because that's also been discussed as being uh, uh, connected with a lot of these uh, problems that Vermont's been having. The, the number of overdoses this year already in August is the same number as the total of last year. What, uh, what is your view on, on how effectively Vermont is doing on this war on heroin and, and opiate use? It may be unfair to say, uh, in response say, to the governor, uh, this was your most important theme of the year, and with more overdoses, it's not working. Probably because just for announcing that we're going to focus on it in beginning programs doesn't mean it stops. I mean, people are going to behave badly uh, or, or treat themselves badly, regardless of what our governor or our legislator or you and I might say today. I think there's a... But there is an issue. It's not unique to Vermont. It just happens to be special because we're small and we, and, uh, like murders, random or otherwise, we don't expect it to happen here. And we, we grow up with an expectation of what Vermont is and what it's supposed to be. And that didn't fit into the picture. Well, here it is. I, that may be, I guess I would focus on, so the, the announcement that this is an issue worth focusing on is good. The press release and follow-on stories, good, raises our awareness. Legislation and rulemaking that would enable treatment or intervention, good. Uh, police activity and judicial awareness, that's good. But the outcomes aren't good enough because my guess is, without completely knowing, it's more in the paper mache uh, structure as opposed to here's a structure that would enable us to uh, get at the core issues and intervene early. It's a matter of funding. It's a, these are labor-intensive efforts. It's a matter of people, how many how many can do it, and where they are. But what we know is what we know is that that kind of focus is important. Uh, good news is probably forty-nine other states in District of Columbia are focusing on the very same things. So they're all experiencing some measure of this. Would you do anything differently if you had the had the power to do so? I would uh, dispense with. Political rhetoric, which by itself is kind of a hackneyed phrase, but let me explain it differently. If you want to do something about a problem, you have to actually do something, which includes, in, in our case, funding it. This state has a shortage of money. Maybe everybody does. Maybe you and I do. But the point here is, uh, working backwards into it, 
we've spent our money poorly in the last uh, six or seven years. We've far exceeded, if you will, our natural resource. So when it's time to invest in important things, really important things, we don't have enough. So we can say it's important. We can legislate and say it's important. You and I can talk about it. It's only important if it's enough funding funded well and managed well and executed well. Otherwise, it wasn't turned out it wasn't important. It's true of the Lake Champlain project, which has been taken, <clears throat> this has been under uh, degrad degradation for, I don't know, 25 or 30 or 40 years. And it's fairly visible to you and me uh, and everyone else. So now we, EPA has made it a priority for this government and this governor They've offered up a plan. The EPA has sort of accepted funding. They need to fund it, real money, big money, over a long period of time. Can it be done? Well, they haven't, the government hasn't spoken. This administration hasn't spoken of it yet. Uh, they're going to be forced to soon enough. But if they can't get substantive results, then it wasn't important enough, right? Because paper mache, not real. So what, what, when you look at something like that, like the lake pollution, and I noticed on your webpage that you say you're an environmentalist, so how yeah, do you, when you, when you think about an issue like that and you consider how it should be funded, what are, what are some of the thought processes that you go through? It's a really good question because it, it cuts in a couple of different ways. First, enforce the rules that exist. Uh, if you were a dry cleaner and dumped uh, tetracycline, which happened in another state and had a 10-year-old plume, uh, that uh, company had to clean it up, probably probably went out of business or maybe their insurance covered it, but the neighborhood wanted to hang them. It was like angry people, kids and others. My God, how could this have happened? We have a dairy industry which we deeply appreciate. I have visited many and, and have met nothing but great entrepreneurs and many of whom run modern factories that are remarkably clean. But not all of them have and not all of them will and so we should enforce the rules. They are what they are. Uh, that's an easy one to say and a little harder to do. Uh, but we need not fear an industry that's important to us because uh, fair is fair. I think on the other side of it is uh, we need to raise money for um, however we do it for specific projects that would not only help the lake but tell you a citizen who cares that our government can accomplish things, if I might. Today, if you were to survey the average Vermonter, they do not believe, I believe, they do not believe this particular administration can get anything done. Pick a topic, I'm guessing, they don't believe in it. That public-private partnership has just been dissolved by uh, incompetence, if I could say it more directly. In the case of the lake, this is a long-term problem that needs to be fixed with long-term solutions. And in my opinion, a strategic, a strategic plan that delineates three or four most important things that we know we're going to need to invest in over a long period of time begs for a, begs for a strategic uh, budget. You know, so what is it going to cost? You know, you got a plan. Now, what's it going to cost? And a 10-year capital plan, I might add the mayor of Burlington is the first thing. I don't know how many mayors to have actually done this and to tell us what it's going to cost to do a lot of things and then say, okay, well, we have, not only do we want to clean our water ways, but we have to under EPA mandate. Let's not develop a deal that makes politicians feel okay, rather for the people. How are we going to clean the lake? 
they haven't done that yet. 244-1777 is our local number. Toll-free, 877-291-8255. We're talking with the founder of Campaign for Vermont, Bruce Lisman. You um, at one, or actually say on your website, quote, I am not a politician, rather a person who authentically cares about other people. I take it from that that you don't believe that politicians authentically care about other people. Am I correct on that? That's an interesting turn of <laughs> interesting turn of a phrase. Well, first, I'm not a politician. I can I prove that over and over again, and I don't know the business of politics so well. Uh, though I'm beginning to learn about them, I think oftentimes politicians are careerists who are thinking of their own possibilities of being reelected, and oftentimes fall into a strange little bubble of talking to the persons, people near them about inside stuff will forget the people. I think this is a moment around the country that people like me and everyone else is saying, hey, wait a minute. I didn't elect you to speak to me. I elected you to listen to me and get things done. Washington is too big uh, an issue to even imagine discussing, but here in a small state, I think we have greater expectations than this government has been able to deliver. Period. Doesn't mean they don't care about other people. It means it means doing things that show you care. For gosh sakes, for gosh sakes, how many children don't have enough food? How many teachers have told me, maybe you, that they secretly pack food in kids' backpacks on a Friday, make sandwiches the night before, and sneak them in because they're worried about the kids? What the heck in Vermont? In Vermont, we allow that. How many people live at the poverty line or lesser? How many people are one flat tire away from losing their job? You mean to tell me we, in Vermont we can't start to fix this stuff? Oh, for gosh sakes. Or, so, clean, or I might add, gotten to the lake a decade or two earlier than we have. Why wait for the EPA? We're the environmental state. We had a green license plate for a good reason. Green mountains. For gosh sakes, blue water. We couldn't have done this 10 years ago? I mean, really. Here we are. Hoping they come up with a plan. And that's why people say, I don't think the politicians are working for me. So how could you, in the political system, have gotten the lake cleaned up any faster? More enforcement? What else? Well, yes, of course. More enforcement. Uh, some will to want to do it. To, in the competition for money, at a, in a budget that frankly is always stretched I mean, the moment when money pours in is probably the moment you shouldn't spend it. Uh, uh, but always stress to say this is a priority. Our environmental urge shifted to other things, uh, uh, alternative energy and uh, energy efficiency, laudable. Uh, but, you know, clean water, clean water. We couldn't have done that earlier. Well, we could have. I think uh, uh, Governor Douglas made a stab at it. I'm not sure it was a... It was an effort that was well-supported or not even sure it was well thought through. I, I don't know. I'm just saying I don't know. But uh, could we, on a legislative basis, examine what was happening there, gone to visit the Missisquoi Bay in the summertime and seen how it was degrading? We might have. A couple of smaller lakes, don't forget those that are troubled. Did we need somebody from Washington to tell us this? Do we need a lawsuit from CLF to force us into action or force them into action? Well, apparently we do. Apparently so, which I guess answers the question of, so what's wrong with politicians? They needed a mob outside the doors to get them to do it. I mean, cut it out. 
If you say you're not a politician, if you run for governor, can you run for governor without being a politician? If I run for governor, we're going to find out because I don't think I fit into, uh, I don't think I fit into easy molds, you know. People categorize me as a conservative. I say, what the heck? What the heck? My family? Not a chance, but okay, whatever. Uh, I, if, if, tell you what, if I run, regardless of party affiliation, I'm running as an independent-minded person. I have my own darn views, and they're shaped by life experience or how I see the world through my eyes. I, if I might, can I take another detour here? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me say I don't know Senator Polina at all. I might have had a handshake, but I probably not. I only know his picture, and I might have seen him. Uh, I don't agree with m- m- some legislation he might introduce, but he uh, uh, bleeds empathy. You know, empathy, which is a word underutilized and not well discussed. And for that alone, I like the man without ever having met him. And I probably disagree with lots of things that he said. Here's the solution. But seeing a problem and wanting to do something about it is a pretty good trait. I, I'm not him. I just don't even know him well enough. But empathy is a big part of what we need. Empathy can be, no, that doesn't work. I mean, no, you say that I have empathy for my children. And sometimes I might have said, not a chance. Mm-hmm. We are not doing that. Empathy means looking for solutions. I don't know if politicians think like that. I maybe have to be more hardened than, than I am to be, to be effective, but we'll find out. Have you talked to people in terms of the idea of running as an independent? I mean, it's almost, it would, I mean, with all due respect, I think it's, it would be close to impossible to win as an independent yeah. in the state. I know. People say that. Well, yes. Uh, so I've talked to lots of people. I, I'm breaking all kinds of Olympic records here and speaking to people, but I always have. So it's just a continuation of what I love to do. I People give me a lot great advice. Mark, I'm not kidding. I've gotten some of the best advice, which I write down and copy and lug around with me in all kinds of scratchings. And some say, run as a D, for gosh sakes. I know you're really, you sound like a D. And some people say, Run as an R, that's the only way you can win. People say, you got to run as an independent. I'm going to kill you if you you don't do independent. It's easy for everybody to say. Harder for a guy like me with, frankly, pragmatic approach to public policy and uh, uh, empathy is kind of a touchstone for all matters of social issues. I, I guess I'll figure it out. If I choose to run, I'm running for the people. I'll figure out how to do that best. You've prided yourself of having campaign for Vermont be nonpartisan, right? Yeah. Does, do you risk throwing that all away if you decide to run? No. No. I, but I think about it a lot. I worry about it a lot. Well, for one thing, it's largely, uh, it's run by Cyrus Patton. I hope you've, have you had him on your show? I hope you do before uh, you go. I'm not sure I have, but. He's terrific. He's a young man. He's bright and he's independent minded. He's spectacular. Okay, upgrade. But, but you're, no, I mean, you're, hear, the, hear you're the face in the... Hear in me the, out. Hear me out. Yeah. He's a spectacular upgrade for me. Okay. Uh, me I'll, just, I'll, how about if I just acknowledge that? Okay. All right. So you should, you should have one. And uh, so it's, it, is a non, it is relentlessly nonpartisan. It's prepared to criticize anybody, anywhere. Uh, no height, including, on my, I, I presume, me. I think it has its own oh, identity. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. Okay. No, no. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I would be disappointed if they if they didn't criticize me for you know missing the important mm-hmm. issues they aren't 
campaign for Vermont is greatest virtue is it is not afraid. It is not afraid to say what it thinks uh, we should do. Uh, and I'd be very unhappy if it didn't be remain so. Okay, get, get to my question. Do you risk having it become no, uh, no because effective, it is lose effectiveness? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I but I worry about it. But the nature of our CEO and the nature of his board and its basic premise is that uh, people find within it the solutions they wondered if they were out there. We have, a, we have, quote, intractable problems or uh, systemic problems or structural problems, which are all ridiculous adjectives in America. We have problems waiting to be solved. Campaign for Vermont offers solutions, not the only solution, but generally it turns out to be among the best solutions. People reject it oftentimes at first and then find themselves talking about it as if they had invented it. Okay with us. Okay. I don't think there's any risk. In fact, I think I would forward the agenda in a way that uh, would allow more people to know about it. Probably if you ran as an independent, that yeah. would be the most way yeah. you could do that, right? Yeah. Uh, it, that's great. But I, the practicalities of running as an independent are... I just pointed out a minute you did, ago. You did. Actually, I got my advice from you. As, I better write that down in my book. Here. I think probably you got it already in there. I do have it in there. It's hard. The nature of politics is hard. A lot of the issues you talk about, and I, I've asked you this question before years ago, and I'll ask you again. You talk about transparency, improving ethics, yeah. making Vermont more affordable. I think I probably hit some of the top Some of them, three. yeah. Those are important. I mean, that's what? that's very um, Ma and Apple Pie stuff. I mean, who, what's wrong with who, that? Who doesn't want that? Wait I mean, a minute. Hold it. Hold it. Who that's doesn't a, want that? That's a, that's a rhetorical question, but the answer was, on the matter of transparency and ethics, it was an amorphous little conversation buried someplace on page 12 and hardly ever discussed. Even when our coalition, when we wrote a piece about um, ethics in government, that coalition including a, a Alan Gilbert, ACLU, and Bill Schubart, a remarkably independent-minded guy, and David Coates, for gosh sakes, who knows everything and everybody, I might add, too, and me, uh, you know, we were even met with skepticism by the media that day. Say, what do you mean? What do we mean? Ethics is important. People would say a citizen's legislature doesn't need that. No, no, it's the opposite. Because it is a citizen's legislature, it does need it. So they can define their private life from their public life. And disclosure solves not everything but most things. I'm disappointed the Senate hasn't embraced it. I think uh, Speaker, uh, uh, Senate Pro Tem Campbell, I'm sure will eventually, but he... I believe they should already. I'm pleased that the governor has said he likes ethics committee commission. Mm -hmm. So you all, claim that is a victory, right? I think it's a victory for anybody who cares. Uh, but my point is, when you say it's mom and apple pie and flag, it's true. It's easy to talk about, easy to agree with, but we're getting it. And uh, next up, I think our matters of transparency in government, I don't mean the release of documents, which should be just free-flowing, for gosh sakes. They work for us. We, politicians forget. They think we work for them. They work for us. And, but on the matter of transparency, I was at another uh, direction on that when we introduced that topic, is um, you're not going to get better unless you measure yourself. When I ran an enterprise, I was my own worst critic. 
I used to say to my uh, chief operating officer, one of these days I'm going to have a good day, you know, because we always operate at 80% of potential no matter how. But how would you know that unless you find ways to measure yourself or measure how you're doing? And this government never has. And efforts to do it have failed. I could say today, it's hard to measure things where you don't have the data to prove it. And we don't. This, this government is a black hole. Mm-hmm. What data? Mm-hmm. It's a data-free zone, as somebody else more famous than me says. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you a question about your background. If you run, you know this will be a major issue. You Really? Were- you were on Wall Street. Oh my gosh! Uh, you were uh, you were with the investment banking firm Bear Stearns. Joined it in 1984. You went on to become the uh, co-head of global equities. Spent 21 years there. Grew the division 50 million to two and a half billion. Not bad. Uh, Bear Stearns collapsed back in 2008 in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you then went on to work for J.P. Morgan. They were the ones who bought us. Okay, so so here's my question. Sure. Given what happened at Bear Stearns, how is it that you would even consider running for governor? Wouldn't wouldn't the collapse of that firm be something that would make you, in a sense, spectacularly unqualified for the job? Well, no. Of course, we disagree. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm asking you. The no, question. I've got it. I've got the rhetorical nature of it. Uh, well, no, and I'm serious when I say, well, no, uh, I disagree. And it's very hard. I disagree. First, let me say again, I am proud of what I accomplished and I'm proud of my career. I started as a darn file clerk, lucky to get the job, took a pay cut to hold my job and did other things like 10 bar and, you know, drive a cab part-time to supplement that fantastic income. I wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't long before I was starting to run things and spent all of my adult, frankly, my mature adult life, if you will, running things, people, including technology, and, but enterprises as a manager. Was a, I think I was a good manager. Afterwards, people could say that I was a good leader. I think that's something that happens after, you know, retrospect. Yeah, he was a good leader. And at the time, he's not a good leader. He's a good manager. I think I developed good people. I worked hard at developing balance. Everything, everything I learned in Vermont growing up, lucky enough to have a family and friends and schools, and I transferred there and how we operated and I operate in a mostly open way, as open as I could with people. I tell them how we're doing and what we're doing. Uh, sounds ordinary, but it's not ordinary. And uh, I am not selfless, but I went to bed. I went to bed thinking of my employees. I used to say to some of them, you, you, "When you go to bed, I'm pretty sure you're not thinking of me. But when I go to bed, I'm thinking of you, which is a burden that at some point you don't want to carry." Uh, my business was a good one. We dealt with institutions. They were bigger, more sophisticated. They were happy with us because they loved our client-centric nature of understanding them as well as they understood themselves. All that is to say, so Mark, uh, if you were to examine the history of my firm, we made great contributions, but we did not contribute to its failure. Failures, I'm certain we could have done better. In 06 or late or 07 early I gave a speech even here called Falling Anvils which I said I'm worried about the markets they're going to be anvils flying out of the sky this kind of vague concern warnings about 
markets and stuff didn't translate into much of specifics. So, and in truth, I spent my life focused on among family and other things, my business. I, w- I would not have jumped on a trading desk on a Tuesday or Wednesday to say, stay with me, we're going to be okay, and then fail on Saturday if I'd have known we were going to fail, which is what happened. So, that sounds, at, at risk of sounding defensive, I didn't have much to do with its uh, failure. It had a lot to do with saving people and building a good business. And when we shifted to J.P. Morgan and, to date, continue to work on making sure people are well-placed. Sometimes well-placed is just listening to whatever. Sometimes it's helping a resume. And sometimes it's making a phone call. That said, all of that, I would argue... If you face conflict and survive it, or face really bad things in your life, and you survive it and are learned or better, I think it makes you a better person. And for me, I think I was a good manager. And I think this government, this administration, proves the value of great management, because uh, it's not there. But it was, an, it was an industry, though. And, I mean, you may have been not directly involved, but you were indirectly involved as part of the firm. It was an industry that was very getting involved with very risky things. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, is of course, that- I, I didn't actually, not sure I knew that. But I, well, listen, within the firm, I was one of those who said, what are we, you know, what are we doing with the balance sheet? Or why, why do we have to do that? And the answer was, well, you know, that's what we that's what those guys do is oh okay i didn't claim fantastic insight i had 2350 people working for me and another thousand people who operations in it who worked for me indirectly i spent my life doing that and when i traveled i traveled on behalf of my group spending a lot of time looking at another group's business not not something i now, that's something I really spent any time on, other than listening to their presentations, which admittedly were high-minded. You could say I was part of an industry that fell into a cyclically bad time, or maybe they were greedy, or maybe they took advantage of, of lax regulation. I think that's largely true. I don't know if that reflects badly on me or not, but I guess if I do run, we'll find out. I'm happy to share anything or everything that people want to hear about my career. Why would you at this point not run? I Let me just say, I say half in jest about me. I'm the second or third happiest person in the world. Always looking for somebody who might be happier. Uh, but I'm happy because I, I have wonderful children and they make me happy. I have a wonderful wife. and Believe me, she makes me happy and I have friends and family, extended family, and a life that is really uh, fun. I, uh, I like doing campaign for Vermont, but and I like walking, hiking. Uh, so I say, well, take a break here, and which is actually, uh, from here, I'm basically taking a week's break with my daughters, as it happens, and uh, visit a, their grandmother, and uh, just to reflect on it. And so the reason why not is, well, take a moment, is it, people, my friends would say, is it worth that to change all that? And the answer is, I guess, how I think at this second as we speak, I think it is worth it to put a little bit of a life's pleasure, if you will, or contentment, maybe at jeopardy to say, well, I think I can make things better here. For gosh sakes, 
things ought to be better. We ought to have an administration that can get things done. We ought to have, if you will, a government that is structured to meet the needs of people. And we ought to have a stronger, better, more diversified economy, along with a few other things. And you know, uh, Call me crazy, uh, but that's the equation I'm leaning strongly toward running. Sounds like you're ready to go. It does, but we're going to take a we're going to take a break here and stop asking for insights and advice. Let me have you put those on here. Let's sure. take a couple of calls. Uh, I know i got to let you get out of here. Uh, let's go to uh, Manchester. Uh, is it Keld? Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead. You have a question for our guest? Yeah, I have a question for Bruce. First of all, Bruce, come on down and do a hike sometime. But uh, my question is regarding uh, Vermont economic development. Um, it seems to me in this uh, little state with 625,000 people or so that we have all over the state overlapping economic development agencies, sometimes three or four layers in one little town. Uh, how can that be done better and more efficiently and more focused uh, by uh, restructuring that? That's really my question. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Uh, you have a great accent. And, um, let me uh, respond by saying you're, I think you're right. Uh, but economic development, I, I guess I would break into two parts. Oh, the first is forget substantive economic development uh, without having a platform that would support an economy that might grow or be more dynamic or, or more diversified. And that require, uh, in my opinion, focusing on matters like affordability, a budget that uh, is predictable with predictable outcomes. Uh, <clears throat> last year's surprise, 7% increase in income taxes was, I think, broadly speaking, a shock to people. Uh, solving for the education funding uh, so that well, gets to affordability, but also gets to housing. And in a government, if you will, an administration that works. Uh, put those as a platform, and then you can begin to speak about uh, maybe layering economic development a little differently. So I'm very big at saying I don't think Vermont should compete or even think of competing based on, say, giving money out. Seems silly. We don't have any. And, uh, and frankly, all the studies that I've ever seen, uh, uh, Auditor Hoffer would say the same. It, 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 all that money you give out, I don't know if the returns are there, and likely most studies say not. But what we can compete on is, if you will, intimacy and relationship. So we ought to know really well the non-Vermont-based companies, those based in St. Louis or Armonk, or, but not when the crisis hits, not when Global Foundries is the new owner, but when things seem good, to find out if their needs and our needs match. Well, uh, go ahead. No, you finish up. I'll just say, and then there's the large Vermont-based companies, and that is designed to make it not market-based economic policy, but policy that reflects the true need of employers. And we need more employers employing more people here. Let's go to Bethel. Hi, Carl. Good morning. Hey, Mark. Hi, Bruce. Um, so I want to sort of tie in the economic development back with a conversation about the lake and just throw out there that um, I think it's really important that a lot of people are overlooking one of clearly the most difficult funding sources, but probably the most critical one, is that um, clean water and lots of other environmental issues are um, environmental services that everybody in the state of Vermont benefits from. However, in the case of something such as uh, water quality impact from agriculture, we have independent business people all over the state of Vermont struggling 
and striving for efficiency and struggling for profitability while they're also balancing impacts on the land and impacts on our environment. And we have everybody in the state of Vermont that benefits from uh, affordable food. And those two things are directly related. And we really need strong leadership in this state to address the fact that if we want clean water, if we want viable ecological underpinning of our of our economy here, that we need to find ways for land-based economies to be profitable through um, initiatives for consumers to actually support the real cost of agricultural enterprises, not paying 1975 prices for milk and then blaming our farmers for not being able to protect our water Okay, Carl, Carl, I'm going to interrupt and let him comment on that, but thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Do you see that conflict, too? Um, I I think it's probably a conflict in in a lot of uh, places, not just land uh, use and uh, the true cost. But I think he makes some good points. I think, uh, think about this, you know, for example, the dairy industry, which is the largest agricultural part of our, is a large percentage of our total economy. I would view them as they do themselves as small or medium-sized business operators, and many of whom I think are quite entrepreneurial in things that they do. And I believe they want to do the right thing, but are also constrained by a wicked, a wicked cycle, which is now heading south, but just a couple of years ago was, wow, heading north. It's not possible to in that environment to be ready to invest in all the things they need to do and still stay alive for the next generation. Pricing of milk is a big deal. The efforts to protect them through margin hasn't really, in my opinion, hasn't worked well enough and they are not going to be compensated under the current plan, my guess is, for giving up land in use today because it's environmentally sensitive. We don't want them on it. But I think there are ways to solve for uh, issues that for the farm industry are important and will keep them in business. Maybe another time, but uh, uh, I, I, we have some ideas. Oops, we have some ideas. Let's uh, go to Waterbury. Chris, good morning. i got to be quick here. Yeah, good morning, Mark. Uh, I wanted to just say to you first, Mark, a year and a half ago or so, I told you there'd be a sad day when you got done, and that comment still holds true. Thank you for your service. Um, Mr. Lissman, um, Talking about Lake Champlain cleanup and why it took so long to even start to address that, I want to say to you that uh, if you look at the, the corrections problems, the drug problems we have in the state, um, why did the governor take uh, so long until um, the drug problems within corrections got to be as high as 80% before he decided to address that? But my real question to you is, it's my opinion that government is and, and our education system is... Uh, overweight by at least 30%, and I'd be curious to know uh, what you're going to do about that if you did run for governor, um, and it's my belief that government should help lead people through life, but it seems like this government is too busy wanting to carry people through life. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Okay. All right. Uh, Well, thanks for calling in. I share your concern that this time slot will be missing somebody that I listen to most days. I... um, well, governments are behind the curve, and not just ours, most of them. 
uh, economies are bigger than governments. World economies are gigantic. Uh, you know, countries come and go almost these days. So it's hard to manage for that. And uh, because they become inured or, you know, numb to the people themselves, they aren't aware of shifting, not fashion, but shifting needs. So, but it is what it is. I never speak about size of government. Uh, it's a popular topic in certain circles, but for me it isn't. I'd rather say it's a government that has some obligations to meet and it needs as many people or enough size to accomplish it. We have an expectation uh, for, for our roads, infrastructure, if you will, or cell phone or broadband. It, whatever it takes within reason is what you would, as a citizen would want, just as if you're feeling ill, you want the right to see your doctor or practitioner, nurse or clinic when you need to, when you need to go. So not size of government, it's effectiveness of government. I don't know uh, when the governor discovered or what, but I think... The important part of managing any big enterprise is making certain that it doesn't become so isolated that it loses track of what its purpose is. Who's done that? Well, enterprises do it. Uh, I don't think this government... Who, who, who in state government? Where does that happen? To know what people need and want? Well... You've gotten so isolated. I think it, government by nature can get isolated. I have it a view which is this is a, the state is a very large employer has lots of employees many of them full-time too many of them are i might add temporary you need to you need to create rules so they're either full-time or they're not here anymore just do that but uh every survey every ever done about a workforce says that some large percentage of them because they're going to spend more time at their office or in the field or wherever than they are uh, with a family at night considering they have to go to bed sometime uh wants to be engaged, wants to have a cause that they're trying to work for, want to solve problems or make the world around them a little better. And some of them, some high percentage of them, want to feel empowered to do that. I, I haven't surveyed and haven't spent enough time, I've met enough state employees to know they don't feel any of those things today. They are incredibly disenfranchised. They are not engaged for a lot of good reasons, and they aren't empowered to do many things that they really feel like they should do. That's the fault of an administration that's not foc too late focused on management. I mean, I mean it too, way too late. Uh, engage them, and then you'll get more from them. Treat them as valued employees, if you will, and they will treat their client, whoever, whoever that is, as if they're important. Let me take one more call, let you go. Let's go to Middlesex. Sean, good morning. Hey, Mark, good morning. I haven't called in for some time, and I just want to say thank you for your service. I've really appreciated your uh, shows over the years, so thank yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate your calls. Uh, Mr. Lissman, um, one of the things that uh, I think is a bit frustrating for folks is that for a good portion of the call, and this isn't directed at you necessarily, but it's at uh, candidates running, you know, it's this hesitation to decide, am I going to be in the game or not? And what I would appreciate as a citizen is people just making a commitment jumping in there and what we want to hear is what are the solutions to the problems that our state faces you well know mark well knows we've got some significant issues in this state that need to be addressed we're getting way behind the curve and what we've got to do uh, in my opinion a big discussion point here is uh, we just lost ground on understanding basic economics and a lot of these problems that we're up against obviously come back to capital 
uh, we've got to really figure out some innovative ways to get things done. And uh, I think part of this discussion is recognizing we can't do everything for everybody. We've got some pretty critical needs. Uh, you know, I'm in the environmental field. Um, just a, point, a couple points of clarification real quick. The Lake Champlain TMDL is now in the ball. Uh, the, the ball is in the court of the EPA Region 1. Uh, it's going to be dictated. They have the control on this. And I haven't heard anybody necessarily mention this this week on various programming, but so everybody is aware, public meetings are taking place next week in Vermont, St. Right. Albans, Rutland, a couple Burlington. of locations yeah. where this is going to be discussed. And there's a public comment period through September 15th. Following this, the rubber's going to hit the road. But your basic point on the call is that you don't want to see Mr. Lisman dithering on this decision. Is that what uh, I heard? Yeah, but also, Mark, just how are we going to solve these problems? And this is, you know, for him, you know, let's figure out how we're going to be solving these problems, and we have to prioritize. So okay. thanks right. a lot for okay. your giving right. me the time. Okay, no dithering. Uh, uh, we'll decide soon enough, and uh, I, won't I won't disappoint you, sir. On the matter of... Uh, since I don't know your view, it's, this is going to be easy. I, I won't disappoint you on that. On the matter of specifics, I think I lead the league in being specific. Uh, just because we talk about ethics in a general way, you have to remember, there was no, uh, no approach within the Montpelier about how people behave or how they would resolve conflicts or even tell people about conflicts. It's like an essential ingredient to thinking the economy could get better uh, without you know, w without a good government and that ethics, you know, just rules is how you make it better. I, uh, so I think I actually lead the league in being very specific. You can go to Campaign for Vermont's website and see five or six uh, big themes with lots of work done that does not get over our skis and it's very readable. And so I urge you to do that. I may have views separate from Campaign for Vermont and I'm guessing I will. Thanks for coming in. I oh, gosh, it. thanks so much. I'm so happy to have had a chance to be with you before you move on. And I'm very, very lucky to have gotten well, we'll to know have, you. We'll have a chance to get to talk oh, to you. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not, not really going too far yeah, away. I got it. And we'll uh, take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few moments.